This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. July 4th is a time for us to remember about the patriotism of those who had a vision for a free America. Free from the tyranny of a king. Free to make our own decisions on the rule of government. It's easy to view those people in that time with nostalgia, believing that they had a united goal and a united mindset. And we saw some pictures even on some of the, uh, as the singing was going on. That was a brutal, brutal war. And it's, as we are reminded, the, the type of warfare that they were involved in was oftentimes people were wounded, mortally wounded, or, or wounded to the degree that the Injury didn't itself kill them, but they would die from infection and die from disease. And it was a horrible, horrible situation. But that was what these men, and in some cases women, were willing to do in order to gain the freedom for our country. Now, today we have another unique opportunity. At our fingertips, in front of our eyes, and attacking our ears incessantly is news, 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 news. It comes in all flavors, all types. During the time that our, of our country's founding, access to information was a bit slower to get around. It sometimes would take days or even weeks. And if, of course, if we were talking about going from continent to continent, it would take even months for letters and communications to come across. There were plenty of newspapers back then that were willing to speak their mind about issues. But even back then, Newspapers could be extremely partisan and opinionated, and the truth didn't always matter. Does that sound familiar? I think we've heard about that today, haven't we? Maybe things haven't changed as much as we think. Because, folks, people have opinions, and sometimes they just want to get that opinion out. More often than not, these opinions would come out harshly and without apology. Facts, as I said, didn't always matter. Well, some of what I'm going to say comes from three sources. I'll, I've been trying to read a little bit and get some information, and there were three books that I read. One was called Founding Brothers, The Revolutionary Generation by Joseph Ellis. The other was The American Story by David and Tim Barton. You saw David Barton as he was giving some of the in, input on the War of 1812. And John Adams by David McCullough. He's a well-known writer and historian and uh, I think did a great job at putting forward these men. Sometimes, again, we think that these men were just willing to work together. And nothing could be farther from the truth. Again, because they had opinions as well. Before I begin uh, into the story exactly, I want to look at Psalm 41.9. Psalm 41.9. And it says this, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up, that I may requite them. But this I know, that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity, and settest me before thy face forever. Now you may know about David, King David, and the story of his life, and his challenges of becoming, finally uh, rising to be king. But this verse, these verses that I read, are just 
exactly uh, apply to two famous men of this time period, of the colonial time period, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson being from our great state, John Adams being from somewhere up north. Um, but the fact is that uh, these two men had a lot to do of helping America in the early years. I don't know if you're familiar, but because of the fact that America was a fledgling uh, nation trying to move forward and, of course, gain its freedom from a great powerhouse, Great Britain, they sought to get money and supplies and assistance typically from France. France was always hated England, and they thought, why not, you know, get somebody that is equally uh, opposed to England. And so John Adams was sent as an emissary, and he had to go. He could not take his family, but he did take one of his sons, John Quincy Adams, and went to, the United, to, to represent the United States in France at the court, trying to gain Again, needing the income, needing the help, needing the expertise. And we are very familiar in Virginia about uh, Lafayette and his benefit to helping our fledging, fledgling military come about. Do you realize that the statue, the bust of Lafayette is the only foreigner included in our state capitol where there's a hall of the president? So if you've been to our state capitol, it is fantastic. And it's one of the most... Uh, historically prized capitals of, the, of these United States. But in there, there's a bust of all the men born in, the, in Virginia that became presidents, and we are the father of, uh, the mother of presidents, excuse me, my wife has to correct me on that sometimes, the mother of presidents. But Lafayette is the only additional person included because he had so much uh, a help to our country at that time. But let me tell you something about these two men. First of all, these two men had a vision of a nation free of the tyrannical rule of Great Britain. Both of these men were optimistic of what America could be. But at the same time, they were equally pessimistic of the likelihood that the American experiment would succeed. And they disagreed vehemently on what was the best form of government to keep these states united. Now, you may know, you may recall, our nation's first government was not the Constitution that we serve under. Do you remember that? You know what we first worked under for about seven years? It's called the Articles of Confederation. They were in effect from 1781 to 1787. It provided a weak federal government such that the states were like individual countries, just like in Europe. But they proved so unsatisfactory that our states, our representatives began calling for a change. Something needed to be done because the states were arguing with each other, something that we did not need. It became evident to the Convention of Delegates, the Constitution, uh, the, excuse me, the Continental Congress, that the articles were inadequate and there was no hope of fixing them. Instead, a new constitution would be needed. Now, I know I've heard voices throughout in Virginia, and, and again, when I go to the General Assembly, sometimes I've seen bills come through calling for a, um, another constitutional Congress. They want to go back and they want to fix our Constitution and rewrite it. Folks, that is opening a Pandora's box, in my opinion, because once you make that open, you can't close that door. Now, I realize things could be fixed, but folks, we've been able to add 
necessary amendments to our Constitution through the years. And I think we have one of the longest living democracies. I know it's not the longest, but it's one of the longest living democracies that have continued here in these United States. Now, let me talk about the two men individually. Because while John Adams went to France to do his part, it became evident that more help was needed, and guess who they sent? Thomas Jefferson. So Thomas Jefferson and John Adams were both there. And these two men became great friends. They were dedicated in their goal of getting the French to understand their need and to get them to help in this area. Now, there were other countries that they would also be able to try to get to. Belgium uh, was another one of the countries they tried. You say, well, it's a small country, but sometimes any money is better than no money. And so there were things that they were trying to get. But these two men, as our government began to move forward, had strong opinions about how things should work. John Adams strongly favored a strong federal government. He wanted the new constitution in order to fix the problem and get the states forcibly, you might say, to work together. But Thomas Jefferson was very hesitant. Thomas Jefferson just didn't think that that was the best route, that the states should have their freedom and independence. So how strong should the federal government be? Some would say that today our federal government's too strong. It is what it is based on the people that have been elected. And you and I have seen some of the folks that have been elected in some of the different parts of our nation. And we scratch our heads and say, how did that happen? Because the people in certain areas developed the desire to have certain things. And that's, you know, I'm a little like you, scratching my head about how do they think we're going to maintain the freedom that we have if they turn to a type of government which is more totalitarian? Just, just baffles me when they do that. But the debate was fierce even within the Continental Congress. Do you realize it became so fierce that they nearly broke up and went home before they got the Constitution written? But you heard some of the words that were spoken even by Benjamin Franklin, a man that I've heard being accused of being a deist and not being very Christian. Well, I'll tell you what, if he wasn't very Christian, he's a whole lot stronger than most of the Christians I've seen around today. Because he could see the value of prayer and he could see the value of, of seeking the face of God to help in the founding of this nation. Adams willingly threw himself into this debate for a strong federal government that would keep the states in line and together, while Jefferson preferred the weaker federal government. Even though he was an eloquent speaker, Thomas Jefferson was a little bit unique. He let other people do the talking for him. So sometimes things were coming out that Jefferson stood for, but it didn't come out of his mouth because he used others to speak. Now, here's the problem. John Adams was very willing to speak his mind, kind of like our former president. Very willing, very strong in his opinions. But there was a fear that the strong federal government would create leaders just like the kings of Europe. And we didn't want that. We didn't want to go back to that. But without a strong central leader, anarchy would result. We were fortunate in one great way. Who became our first president? George Washington. He had the demeanor and the ability to lead down the middle 
in a balance between the two areas. He understood we did need a strong central government, but we needed to respect state rights. In the debates which ensued, personalities became evident, just like they do today in politics. Uh, being right, by the way, doesn't always matter, does it? How you present your argument does make a big difference. And I tell people that all the time. Uh, when I came on in my job, and my predecessor uh, taught me some things, he said there's two important things to remember. And you've heard these phrases before. Don't burn bridges and don't slam your door on the way out. Folks, you never know when you might need a particular bridge with another individual to help you. You would be surprised at some of the individuals I've seen over the years help in some of the areas that we stood for and they were agreeing with it. In fact, the one man who put in the bill to get what we call religious exempt daycares, and that was one of the key issues in the beginning, religious exempt daycares. The man that put in that bill was about as irreverent as anybody I've ever met. I would definitely say that man was not saved. But the fact is he was willing to put this bill forward if there were other people willing to support his ability to run for office and win. Sometimes we do those things in order to balance our ability to succeed without compromising our positions, without compromising our positions. Let me give you another example, and you may or may not know about this particular individual, but in 2018, I was shocked because just as we've seen this year of in, some incumbents are not running this year, both Democrat and Republican, because they lost to somebody else in their party in their, in their effort to, to get on the ticket. But in 2018, Joe Morrissey wanted to run for the seat that Rosalind Dance held. Now, that's a little bit closer to Richmond. I don't know if you know Joe Morrissey. He was a lawyer, and then he wasn't a lawyer because he lost his law license. Joe Morrissey was known for hot temper and not necessarily known for being completely honest himself, unfortunately. But the unique thing was that Joe Morrissey wanted Rosalind Dance's seat. Rosalind Dance, again, and by the way, I'll just say that for the Democratic Party, and I know both of these individuals, fine people for me to be able to talk to, and get acquainted with, Rosalind Dance was a wonderful lady, very sweet in her demeanor, and would always listen if I had an issue that I wanted her to help me with. That would, she was just so kind and honest. But Joe Morrissey defeated her in the run for the primary to be the candidate. And I just had to scratch my head and think, really? You wanted Joe Morrissey over Rosalind Dance? Look, I don't represent the district. That's just what the district wanted. That's up to them. So you can never quite always understand until you step back much later. As we say, when you know uh, hindsight is 2020, it's able to see a lot of good things. That was the enigma of these two men. Thomas Jefferson was beloved by all that met him. He was as nice, a charming, refined, Virginia gentleman. He was the epitome of the Virginia gentleman. A skilled writer and orator. He had a lofty vision of America, leading the way for other democratic republics, developing in Europe and going throughout the world. He just felt like that democracy of the American's type would just 
spread throughout the world. Has that happened? No, it hasn't. And there's some reasons, some of which we heard today, because we were founded primarily on moral Christian values. You found something on the wrong foundation, it's not going to succeed. Now, John Adams, as I mentioned, he was brash, bombastic, and even irreverent in his speaking, even though he strongly espoused that he had religious values, that he was a Christian. He saw mankind as vile and evil. I think you may have seen that in the Bible. But hoped America would succeed in spite of these traits, hoping that the checks and balances provided in the new Constitution would keep the nation together. These two men represented the two primary views of government. And our founding fathers discovered it really isn't one or the other, but maintaining that proper balance between the two. Historical documents from that time period provide a realistic view of what was transpiring to make that a reality because each of these men wrote prolifically letters to each other and to other individuals during that time, as did the majority of those that were the founding fathers of that time period. And by the way, let me just not say that it was just men that wrote letters. It was women that also wrote letters and helped with that. I believe it is what we must do to keep our nation united, to be balanced. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And folks, unity isn't based on the fact that everybody agrees 100% in what they see on things, but that they are willing to work together in spite of those differences. These two men were united in the cause for freedom for the colonies and how they served and as they served their country over in Europe and they served entirely, untiringly even toward that goal here in the United States. The in that process, they became good friends, as I said. But once politics began in earnest in the United States, that friendship cooled. Fortunately, as I said, the first president of the United States, George Washington, he won re-election for a second term, but it was his own personal opinion that he not run for a third term. Can I say there's another reason, and if you are a historian, you would know, in his last term, he was greatly attacked over some things that he did in order to maintain some of the unity within the states. He had to put down a, a, a horrible rebellion that was attempted um, and, and some other things. Folks, it was hard. And basically, as we have seen presidents, have you ever watched presidents age over four years? It looks like they age 10 years over a four-year period. And probably they do because of the great stress and the weight on them. Fortunately, our nation survived and flourished. But as we come to the next election, guess who's going to run against each other for the being the next president of the United States? Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. So after Jefferson, I mean, after um, Washington was finished, it was now up to others to lead. Um, John Adams had been Washington's vice president. And he was likely a good shoe-in. But can I tell you, these two men, um, Jefferson and Adams, represented two different political views. Again, one wanted a strong federal government, and the other wanted a very weak federal government. The first, uh, the, uh, first election between these two men that, that what took place was very harsh. But John Adams had a unique point of view back then. He would not 
run for office. He would let the people decide. So he did not go out and do stump speeches and do these kinds of things. He said, if the people want me, they can take me. Uh, he was a little more stronger in his language on that, but you, you understand the picture of what I'm saying. And so he did, and he won very close. But in the ensuing years, Thomas Jefferson was determined that he was going to win and unfortunately began a campaign of verbally of attacking John Adams. And as I said, some of the things that were put out by newspapers was pretty harsh, pretty difficult to swallow, even in my opinion at, at that time frame. These two men who had a strong friendship uh, these men who loved each other began to drift apart. And when the election of 1800 came up, as Thomas Jefferson wanted to run for office again, and back then there was another little bit of an idiosyncrasy that eventually got fixed. If, as you may know, whoever ran for president, whoever didn't win, the second person got to be vice president. They didn't run individually. It was different. I'm glad they fixed that because... Can you imagine having somebody from the other party who didn't support you in what you were doing as your vice president? That, that was kind of the challenge that they had to face back then. So in the election of 1800, with the attacks that were done primarily by Thomas Jefferson's side, but I'm not going to say that there weren't any from John Adams' side because John Adams was willing to let the newspaper that supported him go forth with their campaign against him. Thomas Jefferson won. And it, that was the, camel that, the, the straw that broke the camel's back with John Adams. He was so angered by this. Like another president that we know, he did not stay for the inauguration. He left. He went home. Folks, during the next years, these two men just drifted apart, became very cold. But we're very fortunate that our nation continued to stay together. That as we saw candidates elected swinging again the pendulum from one side to the other, what it did is it helped to work more toward the center, you might say, of being willing to work together in spite of our differences. Folks, that's what the hope is of a church like this that everybody here doesn't have to have the same opinion. You can work together for the common goal, which you know is for the salvation of men and women and children. That is the most important thing you can do. And the work that I do, while it's valuable, my work pales in comparison to what you do. What I want to do is to make sure that this church has complete freedom to continue to put forward the gospel out there. Because the hope is not, as we've said, it's not in Richmond and it's not in Washington, D.C. The hope is in men and women here and the, the words that come out from this pulpit, from the pastors, to preach the gospel freely. That's the hope. And I don't want you to lose sight of that. And I don't think you have. And it's so good to see the, the auditorium like this filled and, and me being able to get back into churches. I haven't been in churches for so long. And it's just so exciting to be back to see friends and to reacquaint ourselves. Folks, don't lose hope in our nation. Be a part of the solution. Be engaged. Be involved. 
And sometimes even within families, and folks, can I say, even within my family, there are times when you just have to agree to disagree on certain aspects. But as I work with legislators up there, can I ask you to do me a favor? Pray for those legislators. Pray for your city council. Pray for your school boards. And by the way, that's where you can become actively involved at the, at the level here, at the local level. Be actively engaged here so that you can make your voice known. You say, well, it doesn't matter what I say. It does matter what you say. And I believe it matters in particular how we say it. That's what we need to know. Now, folks, <clears throat> this story about Jefferson and, and Adams doesn't end here. But I would like to end it <clears throat> after we have lunch. Okay? I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I just want you to, to think back again to the verse that I read earlier about my friend, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. It's hard when a friend rises up against you. And so I want you to be like that friend that sticks closer than a brother. You lovingly care for your friends, even when you disagree on certain things. Be willing to, to still stand together and help this church do your part. Do your part as far as helping in the ministries. Do your part in helping with the financial needs of this church because they depend on that. I'm so thankful again for this church and, and have the blessing you've been to me in all these years and ask that, that uh, you might continue to pray for our ministry as well, that we'll continue to be effective in making a difference in, with legislators. But when you contact a legislator, let them know that, and honestly, do, do, do yourself a, a, pray, a favor. Before you talk to them, pray for them so that when you tell them you're praying for them, that it won't be a lie, okay, be, be the truth. But do pray for them. And pray for them kindly and speak to them kindly and be respectful, not because that they are better than you or anything else, but because they have taken it upon themselves to do something for you and for the community that they serve, that they're in, in order to make a difference. But if you have never accepted Christ into your heart as Savior, that's the most important difference that you can make in your life. And so if you need to at some time afterwards, again, you can speak to me, you can speak to the pastor, and at this time, though, we're going to bow our heads in prayer and thank the Lord for this day. Father, I thank you again for these people. I thank you again for the examples of the men and women who fought during the colonial era and even throughout the decades and centuries of our nation to defend the right to speak freely, to defend the right to disagree. I pray, God, that you would help us, though, to come to the spirit of unity for the sake of this church, for the sake of this nation, and that we might be unified in purpose, in particular for seeing the gospel given to this world. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.